Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. I'll open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is our last Sunday of our series, By His Grace and For His Glory. And today we're going to look at part of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at um, verses 19 and following in Matthew chapter 6. And what we're going to be talking about is unloading unnecessary burdens. Unloading unnecessary burdens. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. If you're using one of the Bibles in the pews, it's page 811, if you want to follow along in the version that I'm, I'm preaching from. Unloading unnecessary burdens. Matthew 6, and let's begin reading at verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes... The grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father, we pray today for help from Your Word about unloading unnecessary burdens. Lord, in a crowd this size, certainly, there are... There's baggage, there are burdens, there are weights, loads that people are carrying around that we just don't need to be carrying. 
And so we pray that You would show us how to unload those things today. How to trust in You, the One who is able and willing to carry that load. Show us the path to, to freedom today in, in, in these areas that Jesus is addressing. And so Lord, these are crucial moments together. And we pray for Your grace to, to open our hearts, open our ears and our minds to receive from Your Word the power of Your Spirit. Meet with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great things about visiting Israel was how well the biblical sites have been preserved through the centuries. And this was especially the case around the Sea of, of Galilee where these words were originally spoke. The, 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 the words in, in Matthew 5-7, through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, were first delivered on a, a hillside, a, a mountainside, one of the mountains that, that, that rings the, the Sea of Galilee. And, and when you visit there today, it's, it's really remarkable because they're still very pristine, they're natural, they haven't built modern neighborhoods or buildings on these, on these hills. They're, they're very much the way that they were 2,000 years ago when Jesus first spoke these words. And something else is just like it was 2,000 years ago, and, and that is our human nature. Because of our, our, the sinful nature that we all have, that results in, in sinful tendencies, and those sinful tendencies result in unnecessary burdens. Burdens that, that we're carrying around that we just don't need to be carrying. And, and Jesus knew that as He spoke these words in the first century, that, that many of the people He was talking to we're carrying these things around, and it goes for us today as well. And so in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing this. And he's going to tell us what these burdens are, and more than that, he's going to give us the key to unloading them. But the first thing that Jesus is talking about in this section, really, is the burden of greed, of, of hoarding more than what we need. And he talks about this in, in verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. If we go back to the beginning. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. In the original Greek, Literally, it, Jesus is saying, stop laying up for yourselves. Stop storing up earthly uh, treasure. And so he's indicating that this is something that they were already doing. And as we saw in the past couple of weeks, and we looked at the example from the Old Testament of the manna, when God delivers the, the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt, and they've been set free, um, and they're headed to the promised land, but they're still in the desert. What did God do? God said, I'm going to provide you with manna from heaven. Every day, you're going to wake up and go outside of your tents, and 
there is going to be my provision of food for you for that day in the form of this manna. And God said, don't take more than what you need for a single day. Because tomorrow I'm going to provide you with, with more manna. But what happened? A lot of them didn't trust God to provide the next day. And so what they do? They went out and they got armfuls of, of manna to, to, to heap it up, to hoard it. Um, and what the result was that what they hoarded turned into, um, it, it was filled with maggots, the Bible says. Well, yeah, the Bible is it's not opposed to financial planning or, or anything like that. Of, of course not. Proverbs 6, many other pastors talk about that. What it is opposed to is hoarding, self-indulgent greed, especially given the urgency of the time that we live in. Look at what James says in, in James chapter 5. James, as usual, uh, gets right to the point in a very forceful way. He says, come now, you rich. And that would be most of the people in this room. <laughs> Compared to the standards of people in the first century and the standards of the overwhelming majority of the people in the world today, most of us in this room today would be considered rich. And so this is for us. James says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidenced against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. We're living in the last days. Christ could come at any moment. Our lives could end at any moment. I mean, we, we, are, we are living in the last days now. So, how much sense does it make to hoard earthly material treasure given the time that we're living in? Many of you have, uh, have read or are reading Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle. This is a wonderful book. I commend it to you. But Randy gives the illustration of, of someone who's from the north and they're living in the south during the waning days of the Civil War. Suppose you were in that circumstance. Suppose you were, suppose you were from the north, but you were living in Suffolk in like March of 1865, about a month before the war was going to end. And you were planning on moving back to the north right after the end of the war, and you had inside information that the war was going to be over very soon. Would you really be hoarding Confederate money? <laughs> How much sense would that make? I mean, that currency wouldn't be worth anything before long. No, you would be, you would be trying to convert that. You would keep enough Confederate money to, to meet your needs, certainly, your short-term needs, but you would be converting your, your money into the only currency that would be worth anything after the war, the, the, the dollar. Well, listen, when Christ comes again, we're living in the last days, when Christ comes again, or when our lives end, and, and either could happen any, any day, you know what, earth's currency is not going to be worth anything. The only thing that's going to last is what we've invested in God's kingdom. You know, what we've given for eternal things, for, for spiritual things, for, for the kingdom of, of God. And, and that's what Jesus is, is talking about here. He's saying, look, 
earthly things are not going to last anyway. That's what he means when he says moth and rust destroy, thieves can break in and steal. I mean, there's an uncertainty to, 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 to the things of this world, to the riches of this life. You know what? They can, they can come and go, and, and one day all of them are, are going, to be, are going to, be, to be gone. But Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, there you're making an eternal investment. And guess what? It's 100% safe and secure, and the return is absolutely wonderful. Now, you know what? One second after we die, all of this is going to be super clear. The key is we want it to be clear now while we still have an opportunity to make an impact with our lives and with our resources. And so Jesus addresses the, the tendency of, of, of greed. Second, in this passage, he, he addresses the burden of divided loyalty. The burden of divided loyalty. What does Jesus say in verses 22 and 23? He uses an analogy. He says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus is saying that just like the, the condition of your eye, the health of your eyes affects every other part of your life. The way that we handle money impacts every other area of of our lives as well. Why? Because the way that we handle the resources that God has given us indicates something deeper. And that's what Jesus says in verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's really interesting. Um, If you go back to verse 22 and the analogy, Jesus says if your eye is healthy, one of the root meanings of that word is single. If your eye is single. And then Jesus talks about a divided heart. David prays in Psalm 86-11, Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. What, what we want to pray for and live out, we want to have hearts that are united, not divided. I, eyes that are single. Okay, eyes and hearts that are, that are single, that are not distracted, they're not divided. The, the loyalty in our lives, it's, it's not divided, it's, it's united as we, we focus on God. You know, I think that in our culture today, there's a real yearning for simplicity. I see people just, they want to they simplify their lives, but they're not sure how. You know, this desire for simplicity, this is, the, this is what is behind the phenomenon of, of the iPhone, of having your whole, even, we even say it sometimes in our verbiage, right? Having my whole life on one device, right? Or it's, it's what's behind the mega store, 
like Walmart or behind the, the, the concept of the mall, of having everything under one roof. It's the desire for simplicity, you know, to make life more simple, to simplify life. But has any of that really simplified our lives? I, I sense that most people are, are more distracted than ever. Yeah, I mean, if you really want your life to be simplified, less complex, more simple, it's not going to come from a device or a certain kind of store or a mall. You know what it's going to come from? It's going to come from your priorities and your loyalties in life being clarified. When Christ is really on the throne of our lives, when we put clarify our priorities and we put God first and our family second and everything else beneath that, it's remarkable how complex decisions become far more simple. When, when Christ is reigning in our hearts as, as, as Lord, and, and listen, Jesus says if we think we can have it both ways, we're just kidding ourselves. He says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and, and money. We may think that we can't. We can't. Jesus says we can't. Jesus says either I am Lord of all in your life, including your finances, or I'm not Lord at all, in your life. So Jesus addresses, addresses the burden of divided loyalties. And third, the burden of worry. The burden of worry. Jesus says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, these material things of life, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life? More than food and the body, more than clothing? You see, what Jesus is doing here is he's making an argument from the greater to the lesser. And he's saying, look, God has already provided the greater things in life. He's given you life. He's given you a body to sustain life. Do you think that, that God is not going to provide the other necessities that you need? And especially if you are his child through Christ, Remember who you are. Remember how loved and cared for you are by the Lord. Jesus says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verses 28 and following. And and why are you anxious about clothing? Jesus says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Jesus says, look, think about it. I mean, if, if God is so sovereign that he takes care of things like grass and, and flowers and, and, and birds, do you think that he's not going to provide for you, one of his beloved children? That's exactly what Jesus is saying in Matthew 10 as well. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them 
will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Listen, if God cares for these things in the natural world that don't even have a soul, how much more does He care for you as His child? You can trust Him. You, you don't need to, to carry around this burden of anxiety about uh, material things. Now, now listen, if God does not exist, then worry is a very rational thing to do. We would have every reason to worry. But if God does exist, and God is sovereign, and God is in control, and if He loves you, and He's adopted you as His child through Christ, listen, for you, worry is completely irrational. Completely irrational. It's irrational and it's unproductive. (laughs) What does he say in verse 27? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Can you lengthen your life through worry? Doctors tell us you can shorten your life through worry, but you're certainly not going to, to, to lengthen it. No, it's completely unproductive. And what's more, it's really pagan. It's really something that is characteristic of people who don't even believe in God. Jesus says in verses 31 and 32, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? This preoccupation with worrying about material things, Jesus says, is characteristic of unbelievers. He says for the Gentiles, the, the, the pagans, those who don't even believe in the one true God, He says they seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You know what? I have to confess to you. There, there have been many times in my life, I'm not proud of it, there have been many times in my life where I have been a professing Christian and a practical atheist. Because I claimed to believe, but yet I was consumed with worry you know, about this or that. You know, if, if, if you... If you're God's child through Christ, listen, worry is just an unnecessary burden that you need to unload. And look at what Jesus says at the end of verse 30. You really see the tenderness of Jesus here. He says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. In this room today, all kinds of needs are represented. I don't know what what your need is today. God does. Your heavenly Father is acutely aware of every single need in your life today. Your your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows your needs today. And, 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 And many of you are weighing yourselves down with with stuff that you just don't need to be carrying. You're you're burdening yourself, you're worried about finances, or you're, you're worried about the future. What does Jesus say in verse 34? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. God's got that too. Or you're, you're worried about health. I mean, you know, the list of things we could worry about can go on and on. Jesus says, no. Your, your heavenly Father, who's on the throne, who loves you, who's adopted you as His child, if you trust in Christ, listen, 
He's aware of your needs. He's he's got that. You don't have to be burdened by it. You don't have to worry about it, any of those things. Instead, what should we be absorbed with as children of God? So he tells us in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus says, look, you focus on God's rule and reign in your life. Put, put, make Christ number one in your life, and guess what? God says, I'll take care of the rest. I'll have your back, God says. You know, just, just focus on Christ. Put Christ first. Make Him Lord of every area of your life, including your finances. God says, I'll take care of the rest. You don't have to worry about it. I'll have your back. How freeing is that? How freeing is that? One thing. One thing. Focus on Him. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. God says, I'll have your back. I'll take care of the rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the precious promises of Your Word that just set us free. Lord, we thank You for being able to to unload just the burdens that can weigh us down. Lord, I'm I'm sure in in as many people as there are in this room today, some have come in carrying burdens that they just don't need to carry. Whether it's about the, the, the future or finances or health or job or on and on and on. We could, we could worry about all kinds of things. But Lord, we, we, we know that it's dishonoring to You. That it's, it's hurtful to You. It grieves Your heart. When we just refuse to let You carry what You need to be carrying. And so Lord, right now, Lord, may this be a time of releasing. Releasing these things these burdens that we've been carrying around. Right now, Father, I I pray that You would minister to the hearts of people. And Lord, just help us to let go of those things, to to give those unnecessary burdens to You, and just focus on Christ and His kingdom, His righteousness, and just rest in the promise that You're going to have our back, that you, You take care of the rest. For we thank you for that. And Father, as we enter into this, this time of, of commitment where, where many of us are, are saying today, we don't want to be enslaved to material things. And, and, and we, want to, we want to give for the advance of your kingdom. We know that one of the ways that we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness is by giving of material things for the advance of Your kingdom. And so, Lord, right now, as we prepare to to make commitments that are about the advance of the kingdom of God, Lord, help us to do that with joy. (laughs) Help us to do that with complete freedom. Help us to do that with an utter absence of anxiety. Help us to do it with great joy and with great anticipation of what you're going to do 
through in us and through us and through our church family in the days and the months and the years to come as we renovate and add to our buildings for the purpose of kingdom advance, reaching people for Christ. Bless this time of commitment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer and find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.